You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. It is such an honor um, to, to be able to bring the word uh, to you guys today. Um, as Sean said, uh, it's, been, it's been a fun preparation, um, and, uh, and I, do, uh, I do pray that the Lord... Uh, meets you as a shepherd meets a sheep today. Um, in case you missed it, we're in the middle of Easter time. Um, in Lent, we walked with Christ, remembering his sacrifice for us. In Easter tide, we continue with Christ into his resurrection. We're meditating on how uh, Christ's resurrection set us free from the law of sin, prepare us for our glorious future as his church. Easter is this time of feasting. But remember, this feast required a Passover lamb. As we celebrate Christ's victory over death and his ascension into heaven, I want you guys today to lean in. Internalize the message of salvation that he preached. I am the good shepherd, he said. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This was the message for the church to take and shout from the rooftops. At Easter, we see his followers, by the power of the Holy Spirit, finally beginning to internalize this message. As we heard about last week, at the hour of prayer, John and Peter go up to the temple. Um, John and Peter are um, uh, maybe a couple of months after uh, the, the cross and after the resurrection and, and all of the events of, of, of that time um, and, and, and seemingly ordinary thing for a Jew to be doing at this time at the hour of prayer. They go to the temple and there's, there's thousands of people heading into the temple. Um, and they, they cross through a gate that says it's the beautiful gate. Um, so it's the, it's the gate that's sort of like uh, probably where all the beautiful people go. Uh, this is the, the ornate one, and it, it really was a very common one. Uh, so there's just hordes of people passing into this massive front gate for the temple. And um, begging right there at the front gate is this guy that it says about 40 years old, and he's been lame from birth. Um, and uh, so he's there. You can imagine him sitting on his cardboard. You can imagine the sign, you know, we'll work for food or, you know, anything helps, 25 cents, whatever. And you can imagine also, um, and we've all been there, passing right by that guy saying, like, that's, I, I just don't make eye contact. Focus, focus. We're going to prayer. You know, well, this is not about that guy. Um, and, and Peter and John come in. And the man asks for alms. The man asks for some money. Um, and, and Peter says, look at the man intently. Um, and he says, I don't have any silver or gold. I don't have what you're asking for. But what I've got, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. The man that Peter healed at the gate then enters the temple, possibly Possibly for the first time, because at that time you couldn't come into the temple courts as a lame person, because probably you were cursed. So for the first time, Peter, uh, with Peter, he's there in this temple court in, in Solomon's portico, it says. Uh, and Peter starts preaching, because people are saying, what in the world is going on here? This guy that has been, you know, been, been uh, hurt his entire life is here in our midst. 
Um, and then Peter starts to bring it because he knows that he has this opportunity. Um, so he says, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. And his name, by faith in his name, he says, has made this man strong. Luke 4, 4 uh, adds, uh, sorry, Luke and Acts 4, 4, adds that there was 5,000 that believed that day. So, like, we're talking a very large gathering. Um, where, where did Peter's boldness come from? The Peter, who's walking in the temple, seemingly an ordinary Jew, and up until this point, really, we know nothing of Peter except for kind of uh, all shucks, like, <laughs> one day he'll get his life together. Um, but now, all of a sudden, Peter is bold. And, and Peter is, is, you know, uh, I mean, someone we're going to look at and say, oh my gosh, like, we, we could never be that guy. Um, at this point. But up to this point, it's the Peter that we're like, oh yeah, he's just like us. He's just ordinary. We, we like that guy, you know, because you know, he's trying to follow Jesus, and now he's doing this stuff. We're like, you, know, go, you go, Peter. Uh, you do the work. How many of us could be bold like Peter? Um, so just, just a couple months earlier, uh, Peter's saying to Christ, if everyone falls away, I won't fall away. Jesus says this to him. It says, Peter, Satan is asked to sift you like sand, oh, like wheat. But I'm praying that your faith will remain strong. If Christ is for us, who can be against us? If Christ is praying on our behalf, the world can't stop it. A Christ-established ministry that Peter was living into is the same ministry that you and I are living into. It's the ministry of our homes. It's the ministry of our work. It's the ministry of our lives. The boldness of Peter was a gift. It wasn't a possession. He wasn't some special dude. Uh, It was a gift that that Christ gave to him. But I don't think it was just a gift of apostolic healing. I think with the eyes of faith, Peter was also able to see differently with the faith that was the gift of Christ, which is also our gift to use if we will. But contrary to all of this, uh, from Luke's account in Acts, um, the kind of the powers that be, they didn't see any power there. They, they, they weren't taking that in. Uh, from Luke's account, the rulers show no fear of these apostles. In fact, the opposite seems to be the case. Peter and John are being scoffed at, even as they're being arrested, because they're causing a ruckus. We're living in a time where the claims of the Christian faith are increasingly out of sync with the culture around us. So how many of us here today would be willing to go preach the gospel to a neighbor, um, a coworker, much less to 5,000 people? How would we have responded when the full array of our society's powers said, we need to whisk you off because this is shameful behavior? You can't contradict the society like that. I believe our readings today shed some light on where Peter and John's confidence comes from to be those guys that bring that power. So Peter and John do four, I think, key things that give them confidence, not only to speak to the powers when the time comes, but to intimately know the power of God that they can speak about. 
They intimately know the power of God. First, it says they saw him. So Peter and John looked intently at this man born crippled from birth. The man had just asked them for money. In fact, it, it, from, from the account, you kind of even wonder if he's being carried because it, it, it almost seems like the, the people that set him at this place, he couldn't actually get there on his own. It's, people, it's like he's still being carried as he's asking for money, which also kind of sort of makes a picture in my mind of India for some reason. You know, these, these guys kind of moving around. There's kind of a team effort. Um, but he's asking for money, and, and it... it and it would just be so easy to dismiss this guy. But no, they see him. To see in this way um, that, that I think Luke wants us to realize is to be ready to enter in with our entire life. Ready for God to break in. That's that kind of seeing. To open your eyes wide. Peter and John saw the man begging in front of the temple. They didn't have to. They could have averted their eyes. They could have recognized a better use of their time. They could have seen that this isn't a habit of highly effective people. That's not what they did. Instead, with the eyes of faith, they saw and in seeing got a glimpse of a new chapter in God's work. First John, in our reading today, adds, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? To see in this way is to hold open our hearts as we go from here into the world. To be true imitators of the Good Shepherd. The world's goods, by the way, um, the, you know, the, the man asks for alms, and, and uh, you know, First John's talking about if you've got the world's goods and, and yet you close your heart, the world's goods are not money only. Literally, the world's goods are the means of life. So first John is telling us, if you've got the means of life and yet you close up your heart, how can the love of God abide in you? That's a, that's a hard statement. Peter didn't have silver or gold, but he most certainly had the means of life. And he gave that. A few months ago, uh, God gave me an opportunity to see him, uh, and I almost missed it. Um, Bethany didn't want me to share this because it, it, it reveals the fact that we actually go to Walmart Moment of silence. Um, but we were, we were actually shopping at Walmart on a Friday night and uh, did all of our shopping and, and go to the checkout counter. And uh, the guy that is checking us out is just clearly got something wrong. Um, and uh, it's one of those like, is he, is he mentally all there? And then, okay, it seems like he's mentally all there, but he's, he's definitely just like working through a lot of stuff. He's very depressed seemingly, and, and he's, you know, not responding with the chipper sort of like, you know, uh, Whole Foods kind of checkout person. You know, this guy is just like depressed as all. <laughs> this guy's not feeling great. Um, and, 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 you know, I went through my process. I noticed, but I didn't see. I didn't see that guy with the eyes of Christ. I didn't see that guy with my heart open wide. In that moment, I was a guy checking out on Friday wanting to get home, probably for a movie or for dinner or something. But I didn't see him. And, and we, we get our stuff and, and, you know, like, hope your day's going better or something, you know, walk out to the car. And about halfway to the car, like, just like a ton of bricks, like the Holy Spirit just kind of came down on me. It's like, something's there. You know, 
maybe no one else is going to meet that guy. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I'm not so wise in these situations, but, but I, I just I told Bethany, I'll be right back. And I just went inside. I'm like, what in the world am I going to do? Like, am I going to say something? You know, like, this is just a guy that I don't know. Um, so I, all I did is I just took out a card, one of my business cards, and, and gave it to him. It just seems like you're really having a hard time tonight. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. My number's on the card. Um, I, I work with the homeless. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what I said. Like, I just made up something because in that moment, I needed to open myself up to this guy. That's it. That's it. Give him the card. I went back with Bethany, and I haven't heard from the guy ever since. But I had an opportunity to see God that night. Um, You know, this is exactly why Jesus said he spoke to the people in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Uh, Matthew 13 adds this, For this people's heart has grown dull, and their eyes they have closed with their ears, they can barely hear, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and turn, and I would heal them. That's why God gives us these living parables. To see is to recognize in a particular moment of your life that we are standing on holy ground. And on holy ground, you may meet the God of the universe. You may see a a bush on fire. You may see an opportunity for Christ to break in. That moment becomes a living parable of the true life in the kingdom that we're living at all times. But everything in this world will conspire against you to see that. They saw him. Number two, they listen for the voice of God When we have these encounters, when we see God in the world, our eyes are open because our hearts are open. When we see God begging in front of us or knocking on our door, we have an opportunity to open the door and let God in. Say, God, what are you doing here? Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. Jesus says it this way, pay attention to what you hear. This is, these are some, some hard words, though, that it's easy to gloss over. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more added unto you. Now, attention is the most scarce commodity on earth. It has to be collected again and again and again. As Anglicans, like we're, we're saying a collect every time we begin our service. Every time we begin an evening prayer or a compline, we begin with a collect because our attention is all over the place. It's hard to recognize we're in the presence of God. Um, how much are you willing to hear God today? How deeply are you willing to let him enter into your life, even into your ministry? But if we do, we'll hear him speak or yell, I am the living God. I'm at work still. Come and join me. And in keeping with the activity of God, hearing the voice of God, three, they act. We may be invited to act in small or large ways. God may act us to ask us to act relationally, organizationally, uh, as, a, as a teacher, as a connector, as an organizer, I'm an administrator, all these different ways. We all have these different gifts, and God knows how to work through us. He brings his spirit through those gifts. We may act through prayer. We may become the prayer that we pray. 
when we act, we become what Paul calls a living sacrifice. Jesus adds this, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those that are the household of faith. Hebrews adds, as long as it is called today. Peter and John saw a man that probably most didn't see. We don't know how, but they knew that, why that man was there. God spoke to them. We don't know how, but, but God spoke to them. That man was the testimony of 5,000 hearts that were transformed that day. But only Peter and John saw it, and they saw it because they were willing. And finally, number four, Peter and John watch and wonder as the power of God works through them. If we are willing, we will see God. If we are willing, sometimes, not all the time, we'll hear God speak to us. And in hearing, we'll have an opportunity to know what the appropriate response is. But at every step in the process of our life, faith is required. Not faith before the multitudes, not faith before the elders and the, uh, and, and the watching world that is looking for you to falter, but faith in front of every single moment, faith in front of your wife, faith in front of your kids. Um, I'm preaching to myself, obviously. This faith is an opportunity in every moment. When we get good at that faith in every moment, in seeing God, in hearing God, in acting in response, then we can preach. Um, how do we see Peter and John doing this? They had faith that was exercised in a heart that was open to God. Peter and John didn't close their heart. They loved deeply. They loved like true imitators of the good shepherd. Every time we encounter God, our faith is tested. Every time we encounter God, how often do we encounter God? Every time their faith was tested. Um, and we see God show up in, uh, in our life in, in miraculous ways, in ways that we can only know if we're attentive to them. And every time we are, our faith grows. It's a gift from God. Our reading from 1 John adds this in 19. Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we'll receive in his name. Where does confidence come from? From love in action. Love applied. I know Peter and John worked miracles, but we're not those people. Come on. Peter and John walked with Jesus. They put their trust in Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, they learned a new way to see and act in the world, following his example. After a long line of failures, they watched, and finally, they internalized it. Um, it's a crazy world we're living in. Um, and a lot of us that uh, uh, walk around in it, you know, we're Christians. But, but oftentimes, we're not those that are coming to the temple and seeing the beggar. We are the beggar. More often than not, um, we're not the dispensers of power. We need a good shepherd. We need people to see us. 
We need friends who are irrationally faithful to us. Who see as Jesus saw. But instead, how often in our moments of grief, too often we get, as John talks about, thievery. We get the false shepherd instead. Right? We force ourselves to be realists, to be cunning, to survive. Because the world's against us, dang it. The church is against us. We're alone after all. And so we make it harder to see God when we believe that. And friends, we will never be bold witnesses of Christ's resurrection power if we don't know how to rest in these precious and glorious parabolic moments. Because as we encounter Christ and his love passes through our eyes and they are opened and we see as he saw, we know ourselves to be loved. We know ourselves to be those that are in the flock of his care. How to see and love as he so powerfully saw and loved the world. The following day, Peter and John, uh, they've been arrested. And, and it says that they come and they stand before basically every power of the Jewish nation at that point. The Sanhedrin, uh, the Levites. It says the entire priestly family is there. Sort of like this is a, uh, one of those uh, you know, public hangings or something. And everybody's shown up. Um, but all the people that are there are powerful. Um, and then they come, and they're, they're brought before them. Um, and then they ask the, the, uh, Peter and John one question. Basically, what happened? You said that you did this in Jesus' name. Like, what, what name did you say again? You, you didn't say that Jesus guy that like, we killed a couple months ago, did you? You didn't say that you did this in his name, did you? You didn't mean to insinuate that someone who's dead, who the empire has trampled on, is, is, is now still doing something? We're done with that. That's old news. You're, in the, you're living in the past. You have no power. Um, Peter and John, they never bat an eye. This man was healed by Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. That place, yeah, that one that no one cares about. That's who this Jesus guy is identified with.
You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.